The following is a conversation with Charlotte Bryn. Charlotte was nominated as World Female Open Water Swimmer of the Year in 2013 and named one of the world's top 50 aquatic adventurers in 2014, 15, 17, and 19 by the World Open Water Association. In 2018, Charlotte was named one of the top women open water coaches and mentors in the world and was inducted into the Vermont Open Water Swimming Hall of Fame in 2016. She has achieved international recognition by completing some of the world's most challenging marathon swims, including the 28-mile Manhattan Island Swim, the 20-mile Catalina Channel, and the 22-mile Atlantic City Around the Island Swim. She is a two-time overall female winner of the 25-kilometer Border Buster Swim and winner of the 2019 Atlantic City Around the Island Swim. Charlotte was recently highlighted in the Adirondack Explorer magazine for her 32-mile swim in Lake George, completing it in just 17 hours and 58 minutes with no wetsuit and was unable to touch the bottom, a support boat, or use a flotation device. Charlotte is a four-time U.S. Masters swimming long-distance All-American and New Zealand Masters age group 1,500-meter record holder. She is the first New Zealander to swim an international ice swimming ice mile. The challenge that is comprised of swimming one mile in water at or below 41 degrees Fahrenheit or 5 degrees Celsius. Charlotte recently won a gold medal in the one kilometer distance at the Ice Swimming World Championships in France. She is currently the executive director of the swimming hole in Stowe, Vermont, and a return guest on our podcast. I recently reached out to Charlotte because of her insane accomplishment of swimming one mile each hour for 24 hours at a charity event in Florida. My hopes are that this conversation inspires listeners to set audacious goals and chase wild adventures that bring you joy. You are listening to the Co-Movement Gym Podcast, where we inspire people to move and live courageously. If you are enjoying this content, please support our sponsors in the description. I thank each and every one of you for being on this journey with us. Now, please enjoy the show. Folks, listen up. I want to take a brief moment and thank our podcast show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Native Path Supplements, and Redmond Life. Lombardi Chiropractic has been my personal chiropractor for 10 years and has kept my body strong and healthy. Native Path Supplements are used by numerous co-movement clients and our coaching team here at the facility. I highly recommend that you try their chocolate, collagen, peptides. I was made aware of Redmond Light by one of our trainers here at the facility. He recommended I try Relight Electrolyte Powder. This supplement has dramatically improved my afternoon energy levels and overall hydration. I'd like to thank these three companies for providing outstanding service and products that make our society healthier and more resilient. Mention the Co-Movement Gym Podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic and not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15, at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com or redmond.life and receive 15% off all your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy. 
Okay, Charlotte, welcome to the Cold Movement Gym Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks so much for having me, and it's always good to see you. Yeah, we had a chat what, about a year ago, and um, you know I've been following you ever since. Uh, I'm getting into swimming more and more. Um, you're obviously uh, quite an accomplished swimmer, and there's a few recent um, challenges that you partook in that I want to talk about today. So um, let's dive right in. Um, so your swim in Florida, you did a charity swim challenge, and this blew my mind in terms of what you accomplished. So can you tell me about that? Yeah, this one was definitely a bit of a mind twist. Um, it was um, a swim to save the alligator lighthouse in Isla Morada, and um, it um, involved swimming a mile an hour for 24 hours. So a 24-mile swim uh, in a pool, and it really posed some interesting um, logistical planning and training for it to um, sustain yourself nutritionally, mm -hmm. hydrate enough, and then also having the mindset to get out of the pool and then get back in the pool every hour on the hour. Um, I, I was I was really excited for this swim, um, despite thinking, oh boy, what have I done after I signed up for it? Because I'd swum in, I'd actually swum the Isla Morada Lighthouse, Alligator Lighthouse swim in 2018. And it's an eight mile out and back swim to this really cool lighthouse. So I felt quite strongly that I wanted to go and support the swim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um. did you find it harder to swim and then take a break and then swim again on and off versus one all out effort. Cause I know that you've swam over 24 miles um, at one time in, in the past. So was that a challenge? Yeah, it really is a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge mentally and physically because you're, you know, when you get, when you're swimming, you, and you'll know this just from being in the water, you get into a rhythm mm -hmm. and, um, you know, sometimes in a very, very long swim, it might be at mile 20 or 24 or whatever that is, you know, all you're dreaming of is being able to finish up and stop. You know, a lot of people, when they're asked, what do you think about when you're swimming? It's like being done. <laughs> it's, not, it's not always the case, but when you're doing a mile and getting out and stopping, that turns into, I, I was just jonesing for mile 24, that feeling of elation when you've um, sustained getting in and out of the water that long. But I, I think it was quite hard actually having your body set and rest for mm -hmm. a few minutes and um, then get back into the water and get going. And your, your core temperature cools too, so you have to get back, you know, submerge yourself back in that water. What was the water temperature of the pool you were in? It, it was actually pretty warm. It was pretty toasty. I, I, it was between, I would have to say between 80 and 84. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, you'll know from me, Josh, and anyone who's listened to a little, um, a, a few, any interviews before, is I do quite a lot of cold water swimming. So um, I found that quite oppressive at times. However, when you get out with the cooler night air and maybe the, you know, 50s, low 60s, your body temperature cools, you get all cozy. I would wrap up in a jacket or a sleeping bag in between swims. And then you've got to kind of peel that stuff off and then slide yourself back into the water. So that first push off, I think, was always a wee bit hard. Well, what was the air temperature 
um, that you, because I'm surprised that you had to wrap up like that afterwards, but I guess it makes sense, right? Because the body temperature is, you know, 98 degrees or so. And if you're in sustained long periods of time in 80 degree water, you know, you, you would have that core temperature go down. But what, um, what was the air temp? When you were there, the air temperature in the day would have been in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when the sun's out, that's all. And you know, we're talking Florida; it's lovely. And mm-hmm. then overnight, it did dip down, and it was really interesting. It, everything had a really moist um, layer on it, so um, you would, you know, I, and we can talk about this a little bit. How much rest time was between each mile, but you would get wet, like your stuff would be drenched from that moisture. And, you know, I think from memory, probably in the in the 60s, maybe somewhere, upper 50s, 60s. And, you know, as you said, if you come out of a warm, toasty pool mm-hmm. uh, and then your, your body's been moving and now your heart's not shunting all that blood around your body, you definitely did cool. And I think fatigue weighs into that as well. You know, the, the, you know, the more fatigued you are generally, the harder it is to tolerate, tolerate um, cool temperatures. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get to a point mentally or physically where you questioned either finishing or, or like, you know, this just isn't for me? <laughs> well, not that this isn't for me. I did at one point and it was about um, mile 2021. Um, which was so uplifting that the sun was coming up because we started at nine in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, And it was really funny, actually, because the first six miles, um, it's like, woohoo, this is just the best thing. And then, you know, mile one, mile two, mile three, mile four. And it's like, wow, this is, we're still going here. And and, uh, uh, in in the early morning, um, I started feeling a little bit nauseous and Mm. I had four hours to go and I was like, Oh no, what if I frup? Mm-hmm. You know, what if I actually physically vomit? Sure. It's one thing in, it's one thing in the open water. If I'm ill in the open water, I just I just keep swimming. But in a pool, you know, it's, it's like it's a it's a pretty sacred place, you know. <laughs> you don't want to be losing your biscuits around everybody else and make them have to clear the pool. And I'm like, I'm sure if I'm feeling that, you know, if I feel like I'm going to vomit, I'm gonna to have to get out. And I was really sad about that. So actually for the last I think mile twenty twenty one, I actually um put a bucket um, a a precautionary bucket at the end of the pool because I'm like I know I can make it a fifty and hit the bucket and then keep swimming and be fine. So that was my that was my only concern actually. That's then, inter- that's interesting. Yeah, that would um that would have been pretty bad for for everyone involved if you I, you know I don't know what they would have done. Like you wouldn't well, cancel you, the event, right? I don't know. You would need to clear the pool. I mean. Yeah. Sanitation wise, mm. you know, those things need to be cleaned up. And I actually, I actually, I think it was really the heat was getting to me a little bit, but the actual temperature of the pool. Because what's interesting is, you know, when when you're swimming or in any activity, you're um, you're generating heat in your body. Mm-hmm. And when I swam my first mile, um, it's I mean, it's I'm going to sort of regress a little bit. It's interesting. We can choose to get in and just do something, and whatever happens as far as how our performance goes. Well, I got in and I swam my first mile at what I thought was a really easy pace in a, mm-hmm. a long course 50 meter pool, which is a little bit slower than a 25 meter pool because mm-hmm. you have more speed when you have more walls. And so I swam at 25.30, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's quite a good pace. I quite like that. And then mentally, I 
created a little challenge in my brain. I was like, oh, I wonder if I could uh, wonder if I could do something close to that again. And then I went a 2540. And the next mile I went a 2525. And then I got it in my brain that the first half I was going to swim sub 26 miles. Mm-hmm. And um so I created my own additional challenge. I'm like, why are you gonna do that? And so so <laughs> Essentially, as I get got more fatigued, it kept my effort level up. And um, you know, through the night, I was, I was if I pushed hard, I got pretty hot in the water. So it was a real balance between body temperature and then in swimming. If your effort level rises really high, often your um, body line in the water um, de- can deteriorate. So you're not really? so, so you can think, oh, I'm swimming really hard, but you're actually creating more resistance and you may be going the same speed or actually slower. So it was quite an interesting um, balance of holding good technique, finding the right effort level. And, you know, I'd clearly I'd made my, now made myself some time targets for 24 miles, which, mm-hmm. which was fun. But, it, it, you know, I'm pleased I did it because it made it more enjoyable than just being like, oh, I'm just going to plot it. It's like, you know what, if I'm going to swim this, I'm going to swim it well. Mm-hmm. What, um, what percentage effort were those times at 25, 26 minutes for you? Well, I would say the first one was about 70% effort, and mm-hmm. there were times where um, later, you know, hours later, it was like a um, 85% effort. And that's, you know, that's pure fatigue and tired and, you know, reminding myself that I'm not sleeping. Yeah. So that's 24 hours with no sleep. Mm-hmm. Um so it was interesting. It could vary. I'm amazed at how strong our minds are mm-hmm. because I definitely had a dip down in the night. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have something to do with a little squirrel trying to trying to nick off with my food. <laughs> 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 I came back and he was in the hood of my jacket. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so there were times when my, um, you know, my mood might have been a wee bit lower that I had to push a wee bit harder in the water and give myself a bit of a kickstart. And then there were times where I was kind of a bit goofy and, you know, doing a, uh, at one point doing a little Mick Jagger impression on the pool deck before I was going to get in. I like kind of getting psyched up before I get in. So, yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. It's definitely a mind swim. Yeah. Do you think that swimming overnight had um, something to do with you getting nauseous towards morning? Because I'm assuming you, were you consuming mainly liquids or were you consuming food too? Like actual no, I was, food? I was consuming food as well. And, yeah. um, you know, there was definitely, you know, <laughs> there was actually one thing that I think was a wee bit questionable that I did to take in that didn't sit quite so well. And it's really interesting in any athletic endeavor you know, one of the big keys to success is planning your nutrition. Because if you yeah. if you if you don't have quality fuel in your tank, things are not things are going to run rough. Mm-hmm. And I had laid out um, a feeding plan, and essentially what I'd estimated I would want to take in for hydration and energy, and I was also considering warmth on having something warmer in the night hours. And, uh, of course, with all good plans, you have to have some flexibility. And uh, so I planned to have a couple of things that I heated up in a little um, kind of a recreational room, which was was a few minutes walk to get there. And I, what I didn't factor in is that would eat up a lot of my rest time. So mm-hmm. I'd actually decided I wanted some Panera mac and cheese mm-hmm. at 
2 a.m. because I thought that would be a nice mental boost. Well, that was like, you know, um, towing a dead weight in the pool. That was terrible. And definitely an hour later, I was like, you know, I think we're going to cross that off the list. That <laughs> Nothing against Panera at all, but just it didn't sit well with me. And and uh, then you once you kind of get it in your head was, oh, I don't think that Panera likes my tummy right now. And then you can actually get your mind, can actually negatively affect your body on having the stress about, I think that's going to make me feel sick. Am I feeling mm. sick? I'm not sure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That pace doesn't feel so good. And, you know, rather than being like, well, it's in there now, <laughs> my body's strong, it's going to process it and convert it into fuel, it'll be just fine. And uh, so what I actually did was I just stayed on on liquids yep. for, for um, one or two hours and just understanding that my body could actually function. I've got plenty of energy stores in there and things did settle down. Mm-hmm. Did you, so were you like, when you say liquids, um, was it like protein shakes, electrolyte drinks? Like what, where'd you get your calories from? I'm really uh, so curious about that. I, um, I have a, um, endurance fuel, mm-hmm. which is, um, I think three, three parts carbohydrate and one, a smaller part, a little bit of protein in there because I find my body can only process so much protein over 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, it can't take anymore. And um, I would take um, electrolyte tablets, and then I chose to have quite salty little foods as well. So, like, just little handfuls of perhaps salted almonds, um, you know, maybe some a little bit of dried fruit. Um, I, I kind of liked the idea of just simple, basic, a um, little bit of bagel and peanut butter. The, un, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the squirrel chewed, chewed through the bag with the bagel. He had a party. It was, re- it was really, really <laughs> And I um, had some chicken soup. I had the mac and cheese. And um, then some, some goofy little kids' fruit snacks, which um, just were like kind of a novelty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bananas, yeah. things like that. You never really know what you feel like. Sure. Yeah, I can only imagine because like, obviously the hormones like the uh, stress hormone cortisol is being totally jacked up, right? Like because you're not sleeping. And so cortisol stays high, meaning that your appetite isn't, you know, suppressed the way that it should be. And right, there's just a lot going on. And yeah. so there would be I um I went to one of our trainers here. He's an ultra runner. Um, he did a hundred mile run and it, it was like 26 hours, I think. And I went, yeah. And I met, and I, um, met him at mile 35 and then 44 and yeah, it was, and then we talked obviously after, and it was, it was sort of what you were saying, like a lot of unknowns with food, what you're craving, reassessing how you're feeling, questioning certain things throughout, um, because there really is no perfect planning for something that long. No, no, you're right. And as you fatigue, you can, it's easy to get a little bit blase. And that's why I did, I actually did a schedule of what happened when I got out of the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I, I had a little routine down. So essentially at the end of the lane, I put a chair and there would be, this, this is a bit of a crack, crack up. So I wore 24 bathing suits. Not all once, by the way. Really? (laughs) Yes, Yes, I did. So I um, had a chair with a new swim cap and a new bathing suit and towel at the end of my lane. So my my 
my target was to be as efficient as possible as time so I can maximize my rest. And there were certain priorities. Well, um, priority number one was to get out of the water and hit the restroom. It's important to keep the kidneys, everything moving. Whether I felt like I needed to go to the bathroom or not, I was going. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, I would rinse off. Um, It's just to wash stuff, just wash clean it. It's it's really, it's the most unusual thing. It's just much more comfortable than getting Mm -hmm. out of a chlorinated pool and sitting. So I had a quick rinse off, suit off, suit on. And then I would go back to where my um, kind of little, I had a little deck chair set up was. And then the next most important thing was nutrition and hydration. So I would have a certain amount of electrolyte water. I knew it was because I'm in a freshwater pool, it's really important to keep that in balance because if Mm -hmm. that's done, I'm done. And next up was fuel stop. And that would either be a liquid. Um, I've used a lot of different endurance fuels, and these will be similar to what Iron Men Woman use. Um, Hammer Nutrition, you can, you know, I tend to use Hammer at the moment, a perpetuum. So um, I would have a, a small amount of that. And uh, on alternating feeds or alternating hours, I would have a little real food snack. And what I learned pretty quickly is, and we all know this from the dinner table. Some of us take longer to learn than others mm-hmm. that um, taking over amounts of food doesn't feel comfortable. And so uh, rather than suffer for the next hour, I learned pretty quickly that the smaller little bits, the better. So I would try and choose foods high in calories mm-hmm. um, to give me a good, a good punch. Um, I'd try and get things that weren't high in sugar. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, there were highlight, you know, you'd have little treat times where it might be whatever you were looking for, but just a small, you know, rather than a fistful of nuts, I might have 12 nuts or 10 nuts, something like that. So that would all happen with about within about six to seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have my, my alarm set on my watch for the five minutes before the top of the hour. So if I'm doing 25 to seven minute miles, then I'm doing my shower, hitting the bathroom, getting my fuel, and that's going to leave me probably 15 minutes mm-hmm. before I've got to get in the water again, which is actually 10 minutes because five minutes before you get in the water, you're going to have your cap, your goggles on, and you have to get up, get over to the pool. And for me, I like to just move around a little bit, rotate in all three planes of motion, which essentially means that rather than staying forward, back, you know, I'd rotate my body to the side, laterally, keep things loose. Mm -hmm. And um, then you're um, a minute before um, send off time, you're back in the water waiting to push off. So there's no time for lollygagging. That was a pretty tight schedule. And it was a matter of executing that perfectly 24 times. Yeah. Did you have a, a team or anyone there to assist you with the transitions and all of that or no? I had, um, I had, two teammates there were one teammate and and a friend and they were both doing solos. So we were, we were fending for ourselves. Wow. That is wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive. So you, yeah, there wasn't a margin for error because if you mess up, you know, one or two of those, your digestion's off, you start cramping, you know, you can bonk so fast and something like that. And, and remember being, (laughs) being the goal setter that I am, I was not going to start late because remember I wanted to hit 
a specific time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, from my mind, which was an internal thing. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, I'm not getting in two minutes late. That means my, my mile time's going to be two minutes slower. And I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then along with that, you've also got towel situations. You know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're talking about damp, moist air at night, that towel's not drying when you're mm-hmm. swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it sounds like, oh, it was hard, this and that. But we've got to remember it was a voluntary sign-up, and it was a great experience, and it was an incredible experience and in discipline. And figuring out, okay, how can I make this happen and replicate it 24 times? And mm-hmm. you know what? It was uncomfortable, it was beautiful at night, and I kept dreaming of what that last mile would feel like, knowing I wasn't going to have to do that schedule after that, and that I'd never done 24 miles in a pool, and I was going to achieve that. And that day, enjoying that day after, of just satisfaction was amazing. And that last mile was everything that I dreamed it would be. It was an incredible feeling. And I think when we when we challenge ourselves, whether it's, you know, completing a three-mile walk or whatever you put your mind to, and you put significant effort in, that completion is priceless. I just don't think you can buy that feeling. No. And yeah, I agree so much with that, Charlotte. It, it you know, society, it seems like a lot of people want that feeling without the hard work, but you don't get that feeling without a ton of work, right? And you are absolutely right. The more work you put in leading up to it and during it, the better the feeling is afterwards. And I I love those feelings. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, they are, they're highlights. They're, you know, they say, they say, actually, my son told me as of the, at the wise age of 12, I, I had one, um, not one, I've had many challenging swims. And he was like, you know, as we hand on my shoulder, he's like, mum, you know, the, um, the highest peaks are the hardest, hardest to reach. And when you get <laughs> there, it's the most incredible view. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. never forgotten that because it's, it's very, very true. And it's. And, and and opting out or, or not finishing doesn't mean you can't go and have a go at it again. You just have mm-hmm. a few more tools in your toolbox. But mm-hmm. th- this was a really neat experience, and I loved that it went to support the Alligator Lighthouse. I thought that that was that was really really great. Yeah. So d- let's talk about the Alligator Lighthouse. Um, you know, tell me about that. What what is that? What is um, what? Tell me about the charity. Well, um, I'll let I'll let you know what what I know about it is. I, from what I understand, it's not no longer a functioning lighthouse, and it was going to be taken down, and it's quite historic, and it's a really interesting lighthouse. As as I said to you, I I kind of on a whim signed up for this swim in 2018, and it was four miles out. Um, I the water was quite toasty warm, and. Uh, there was minefields of jellyfish, Josh. Really? <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> it was, and there was quite a few hundred people doing the swim. It was well organized. I was really impressed with the swim. And I'd, I'd read that there were people who had had some jellyfish things, stings. And I'm swimming through these things, and they were, they were dense as far as how many there were. And, and they were in kind of certain areas. And 
I started hitting one of the two of them and I was like, oh, well, that's going to leave Mark. And then <laughs> I hit another one and it was sort of like ping, ping, ping. And oh. it was eventually, I, they were getting me on the face where my whole face was going boom, 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 boom. And I was swimming with my teeth clenched going. And I, and I know from experience that the initial pain of a jellyfish sting does subside after about mm-hmm. 10 to 15 minutes. And so I would be like, okay, if I can sustain this, it'll ease. And then I would hit another patch of them. Oh. The, um, and, and so I made it out through beautiful clear water, made it out through these jellyfish, and then came to the realization I would have to swim back the same way through them. <laughs> and so made this, this four miles out. And I didn't know what to expect on the Alligator Lighthouse. I thought maybe some big grandeur, because oh, it sounds impressive. And um, it's actually just a, a quite a tall metal, um, it's not like traditional lighthouse looking, but it was really, really neat. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. Turned around, went through the jellyfish again, and... Um, Cynthia Needham, who was kayaking me for the end, she's like, wow, you are just, I can't believe that you didn't hit any jellyfish out there because (laughs) there were grown men wailing, please, please get me out of this water and um, other words that I won't use, which are not as polite. And she's like, I just assumed you weren't getting stung. And I'm like, oh, I was getting stung all right. Those things put the hurt on me. So it was it was quite funny. But again, that's that's the uh, that's the mental strength. So so the Alligator Lighthouse is now a nonprofit foundation and they do fundraising to help maintain um, and prevent it from being you know, deteriorating from the mm-hmm. elements and the weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Well, you want to talk about a perseverance. Holy cow. Like I've been stung by a jellyfish once <laughs> and um, yeah, it's painful, you know, but how many times were you stung? Would you say like just a guess? I'd, I'd say at least 150 times. I actually oh my took, gosh. I actually took photos. My daughter took photos after the swim and it's <sighs> just like, the, the red mine fit. It looks like I've got a massive rash all the way up in the front, the side, down my neck, my face. And, and I, you know, I'm fortunately, you'll laugh when I say I don't react to that. What I mean about, you know, some people do go into shock from that, but, you know, my body tolerates it quite well. So, um, yeah, it, it was incredible. I couldn't believe it when I got out. And, you know, I had a bathing suit on, although granted a lot of people, you know, some people did have wetsuits and speed suits, so they may... You know, mm-hmm. may have had a wee bit more protection, but it got down my suits everywhere. I was covered in it. Mm. Yeah, definitely flowing, flowing top after that because it was painful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you swim freestyle the whole time? I'm assuming um, yes, for the yeah, one mile yeah, challenge. Yeah, I, I, um, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and um, you know, without any. Um, toys, I call them toys, fins or paddles or anything like that. How many um, participants swam the whole thing by themselves? There was four of us. And then what was so great was the um, local community there is incredible. Uh, the event was headed up by um, Jennifer Dutton, and she said, as she is a swim coach there, and she had some of her. Um, 
um, swim participants uh, who had signed up, and I was really impressed at some of these relay swimmers swimming further than they'd ever swum in their life in support of this cause, which I thought was really cool. And it's not all about achieving a solo thing. I think it's mm-hmm. that sense of community. And they were so welcoming because all three of us were on, from the East Coast. They sort of welcomed us down and, and um, someone made us made us key lime pie cupcakes, which I am going to fess up. I did suck one of those down. Oh, about, I would have. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm talking about my lovely feed chart. Well, that went across and I was that pretty much, but I, I think I inhaled that. That was just really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, the sense of accomplishment is individual, right? So yeah. if someone did a relay or like you said, they they walk three miles or they swim 24 miles in 24 hours, you know, it's it's 100% individual. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to now, yeah, go ahead, Charlotte. Well, I think that, you know, I'm just, you know, thinking of me signing up for that. If you're if something is on the table in front of you, you search something out, and if your first thought is, I wonder if I could do that, or could mm-hmm. I do that, I think it's probably a good thing to throw your hat in for that. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, it, if it's if it's if it's a little bit of a stretch, and it means you've got to prepare, it's I think that's a really good match for someone to sign up for whatever it is. Yeah, I you know, I think committing to projects that make you fearful um and make you train and prep longer term, I think that's a huge that's a huge process to being like a mature athlete, right? Um or business person or anything, but yes. you know, it that's and it's very hard to stay motivated long term chasing a goal. And that's really what separates, I think, people that accomplish big things and and then never do, right? Um, I think so too. There's so many different mind games you have to play and motivational games. You know, I, I just finished the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. I'm going to have to write that on my list. Yeah, that Charlotte, that's, um, <laughs> you would, you would resonate with that book a lot. I, I absolutely loved it. But um, no, I, yeah, I recommend to listeners, you know, like you said, if something makes you nervous or slightly excited, you know, go, sign up for it, prep for it and go for it. And then if it, if you fail or it doesn't go as planned, like I can still guarantee you're going to learn more from yeah. that experience than you will not doing anything. Would you agree? I totally agree, and it also makes you really. I think it, it ups your time management game. You know, mm-hmm. I know when I've got a um, a swim on the table or a goal laid out, it really um, it really helps me get creative on fitting that training and that preparation work in because it's hard to find the time. And if you know something's ticking along towards your end goal, you're like, I gotta fit this in. And I am I am much better focused at all my other tasks during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, A from you know doing the activity and the swimming and actually I'm much more effective with my time management. It makes such a big difference. You know, I feel mm-hmm. more satisfied at the end of the day too. Yep. Um, human beings need structure. And you know we we thrive on structure and routine, 
you know, a lot of people ask, you know, or feel like they need more free time or, or this or that because they're overwhelmed, right, in different aspects of their life. But the reality is, is that if you actually like the structure, um, you know, not only do you accomplish more, but you stay, you know, you stay on task. And I'm the same way, Charlotte. Like when I have days, like work days, that I'm either caught up or I don't have as much going on. Those are some of the worst days. And you would think yeah. it would be the opposite, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 look, whether it's swimming, whether it's a hundred mile run, whether it's what your professional life, it's, it's about functioning at, at your, your upper level and being in your performance zone. And, and I think there are certain things that we do. I mean, one of them for sure is elevating our heart rate, mm-hmm. utilizing our breath. And, you know, for me, that's just easy to, mm-hmm. Um, pop in the water and I'm just you know I'm there and it transfers everywhere else in my life mm-hmm. and as yeah. I said for, you know for other people you know that might be a, a walk or a, a game of racquetball there's all different forms but it's it's getting that performance zone focus where the other noise mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. is out of the way and and I, I think that you know, I, I love technology. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on, and it can also muddy my focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, before you know it, you've spent two, three, four hours on social media, and you got nothing out of it. <laughs> right. Right. So I want to talk about the um, ice swimming world championships in France. Oh, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I and you know, I we talked about this last time a little bit. Not this particular event, but just ice swimming in general. And I'm still mind blown at how you do this. Um, and I actually show clients your Instagram photos here. Like when you're doing that, like there's snow, like in the background and like yeah. some ice and like, there you are like swimming, like, like a dolphin. <laughs> so like you, you took gold in France in the one K distance, um, with ice swimming. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people that have never heard of this. This is still fairly new for me. But what is the water temperature in an event like that? So in the um, World Championship, the water temperature was 37 Fahrenheit. And uh, it needed to be um, 41 or below Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. to be um, an official official event. And uh, when you're, you know, a common question is, you know, you have actually it's not a question it's you have a a wetsuit right and I'm like well yes I have one at home in my closet but (laughs) (laughs) so you're not you're um you have to wear a standard bathing suit Mm -hmm. you're permitted one um non-heat retaining swim cap goggles earplugs you're not permitted to wear a watch and uh there are in an ice swimming event, so this was in a man-made lake in um, the French Alps, and it was a a pool. It was really cool the way they did it, built out of kind of pontoon docks, mm-hmm. and it was a 10-lane pool, all equipped with traditional lane lines. Uh, it had walls on either end, and then it would have a wooden ladder in each lane for you to go down into the water. And uh, what was interesting about the events was, is, is I'm, you know, I'd, I'd call myself a bit of a wild ice swimmer. You know, I, I'd go out into the lake and slip on under the water and 
taken the sights, the eagles are flying overhead, the snow's flying, and it's it's just amazing. So it was quite interesting for me because I, I really, I love open water swimming. I sort of really love pool swimming. So this was a neat combination for me to go and race in, an, in a traditional pool setting in ice water. So my point in telling you this is, in a traditional pool, you do a dive start off a block. And most people would have seen in the Olympics, you know, people power off the blocks. Well, you're not permitted to dive start in ice swimming. You mm-hmm. go down the stairs, like walking the plank, and then uh, you have to submerge your shoulders and have your lead arm extended under the water and one hand um, on the wall stairs um, before you start. And you're not permitted to do, to do flip turns. So that's um, – and, and it's – what's interesting about it, it's full-on racing. There's one thing swimming in cold water, mm-hmm. you add in the intensity of a top possible effort. And for anyone who's raced, whatever the distance, whether you are on land or in the water, 50 metres or 100 miles, it's hard work. Like you're taxing your system. Yeah, unbelievably so. I, I'm just still blown away at this. So it's it's a race, 37 degrees Fahrenheit. You have to start in the water. So why didn't they allow dive starts? Why couldn't you dive in? Um, I, I you know I, I don't have the exact reason. I can tell you my interpretation would be that cold water shocks are a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like to hit the water. Um, with that sort of intensity and that sort of speed, I think it's a lot safer to have people to submerge and then push off, Um, Mm -hmm. not to mention the potential slipping off a block. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how Uh, long were you in the water with that? What was your time for the 1K? um, 16 minutes and 50 seconds for the kilometre. Okay, so 37 degrees. Wow. So what would be your time in an 80-degree pool? So I would go sub 14. Okay. So it's a little bit slower for sure. Yeah. yeah. And there's a couple of components on that. Um, not doing a flip turn. So flip turns are fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like when you're in a pool, your fastest time off the wall is, le- is leaving the wall. Um, not having a start, five seconds. And, you know, one of, the, one of the big, there's two other components. One is there's no visibility. So I was swimming in the finals at night, oh, and wow. there's no light. There's no line. There's no lights on the bottom. You can't. You're not. You're not. You're not seeing where you're going. Um, so you know that's that comes down to swimming straight, and then as um, certainly for me, as my core temperature drops, so does my power. Mm-hmm. So so those are the um, the different the different time components. So, so the short swims. Um, I was probably you know, not at my fastest pool times, but closer. So I did a 200, uh, which was also gold, um, and a 500 meters as well. Oh, wow. I didn't know you did three races total. <laughs> yeah, why, why just do one? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. So, why not? so you swam the 1K at night? Yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And there was no lines in the bottom no. of the pool? No lines. Oh, wow. So how did you orient your – now, is your form when you're swimming freestyle the same as the warm water, like your head is submerged and then you breathe to the side, or is your head up out of the water? No, your head's submerged. Um, 
Although I would, I would sight, I would pick my head up into the wall to, mm-hmm. you know, to get a gauge of how far I was. And I would try and do that as little as possible, but I, I mm-hmm. did need to have a look when I was coming in, which does mm-hmm. deaccelerate you. Um, and then, you know, I found towards the end of the swim, I was breathing higher, which is not as efficient. And mm-hmm. I think it's almost a um, survival, you know, a, a um, non-conscious, unconscious survival skill of wanting to pull that head out of the water. So I would normally mm-hmm. probably try and breathe a little lower. But, you know, what I would try and do is connect as many good form strokes as I could, given the environment, which was quite challenging. Mm-hmm. So what was your breathing pattern? Was it like four strokes, one breath or six? Like uh, what about what was my, it? My my traditional one is, is is four. I would I would breathe um you know at times every third um so I could get a little bit of a look around. So how mm-hmm. I navigated not seeing was I sort of studied the pool area and um there were certain things that I knew were a certain distance. So Whatever the item is, it gave me a kind of an idea of where I, you know, where I was. And um, so uh, to answer your question, uh, for the first swim, (laughs) actually the first swim, yeah, was the thousand. So Mm -hmm. I had been, each swimmer has to have a chaperone. I was swimming for New Zealand and I had a teammate, um, David Coleman, just a great guy who's done quite a few, a lot of ice miles. And and I was his chaperone. So uh, the pool area itself was a restricted area, but as a chaperone, I got down to go down there with him right into the lane, hold his gear and be there when he went in and out. So I got to really examine Mm-hmm. the pool and the walls, and I was kind of watching how people were turning, what they were doing with their hands. And so when it came to my turn, I also got to watch how they got in. So what I discovered that in the ruling or in watching is when it's time to start the event, you're walking onto the pool deck, get behind your lane, and once they say swimmers disrobe, you have five seconds to take your clothes off, Mm-hmm. Get down the ladder, submerge under the water, and then the starter goes. <laughs> oh wow! So I was like, okay, let's not create a stressful situation in my mind on this. So I'd worked out how and what I was going to do it. Not not unlike a many of you listening, we have pre-race or pre-event plans on how things were going to, are going to go, and so. Down I go, down the stairs, and what I hadn't anticipated is there were only a couple of stairs, so at the bottom one it was just boop. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now, now I'm in. <laughs> and so, <laughs> actually, sorry, no, it was the 500 that was first, not the 1,000. So I've got my hand, my shoulder's under, in 37 degrees water. So if you can imagine, like, you're going to get in an 80-degree pool, well, you know, take 50 off that, and then you're waiting for the starter. So off it goes, and ideally – you want to head out at a um, a consistent pace that you're going to sustain. Well, off I go, and my brain's like, race, 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 go. And it's also incredibly cold. So to answer your question, I'm breathing every stroke because my heart's going boom, 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 my breathing. <gasps> and um, so I get down. It's a 25-meter pool. Mm-hmm. And you'll remember that I've talked about, you know, I practiced touch turns in the pool at home. I had it all down, what I was going to go to do. My hand goes onto the wall, and then it whoosh, 
it just slips right off. And I'm like, oh, didn't see that coming. And I'm just, I'm just pretty much hanging not on or off the wall. I'm like, okay, well, that tactic does not work. So for the next 25 metres, I'm like, I need to come up with a different way to navigate the wall. So, you know, the first... You know, the first couple of hundred meters was really about swimming as hard as I could, controlling my breathing, and I needed to get my breathing under control and remain calm. And then uh, a big challenge for me was changing my mental shift because I went to a place of, oh, no, here comes a wall. This is going to be bad. And I had to change it to, oh, walls are great because (sighs) you get a strong push-off. And... um, so that 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 was that was kind of what it was like in there, and uh, yeah, it was it was amazing actually. It was amazing to be there with other athletes from all around the world doing the same thing. So, what does the recovery look like? Because, and I talked with you on our first podcast, like you know, when I swim a mile in the Adirondacks and the water is sixty-eight to seventy-two. You know, it takes me about 20 to 30 minutes to warm up after. Um, And so, but you're talking 37 degrees for 16 minutes. What does that look like? Like, are you, can you get out of the pool yourself? Like, yeah. Yeah. What, tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, so that's, so I held onto the ladder, hauled myself up. My um, teammate, David, had my jacket for me. Um, I use these big, you might have seen them, big pink moon boots. They're really mm-hmm. easy to slip my feet into. So my feet went in there, and it was probably a, a minute or two walk up to a big, um, like a big insulated igloo. Mm-hmm. And there they would have medics on hand to check you out and a warm tea. And um, my tactic is is really just to get the wetsuit off as quickly as I can and then layers of clothes, and um, David was great, helped me with socks and things like that. I was pretty good at navigating all the dressing. And then it's a matter of um, just waiting, waiting it out. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, – and we might have talked about this last time. There's a um, there's a component that comes along, depending on how cold it is and who you are, is after drop, which is essentially that, um, that cold – Mm-hmm. blood in your extremities starts rushing back to the center of your body and it's, it's it can be a very very tough painful feeling mm-hmm. and i did feel the after drop after the kilometer not after the 200 or 500 because they weren't quite as long mm-hmm. but um it, i was probably t- um i'd say 20 to 30 minutes after the thousand and you know it was probably 10 to 15 minutes after the 500. I was in mm-hmm. you know, pretty good shape, you know, very good shape after the shorter ones and pretty good shape after the 1,000. So the after drop, um, yeah, so I experienced this, obviously not at the level that you do, but, you know, there's, there's, that's like compulsive shaking, right? Like I I, I, I'm a wee bit beyond um, – it's not that I would never shake, but I don't. My body doesn't shake as much anymore. It okay. lights itself pretty quickly. But uh-huh. um, more, um, I think um, you, your body temperature plummets further with the after drop. Yeah. Yep. And um, so, not stable on the feet. Good for someone yeah. to be sitting down, slowly mm-hmm. rewarm. Um, uh, that people might be lightheaded. Yep. Um, you know, they could. There they could be a possibility of. Um, 
yeah, there's, there's a few possibilities where it's good to have someone with you and, and, mm-hmm. and not be alone during that. And very, very important, I think, to get checked out by a medic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, crazy because I'm swimming in water twice as warm and I experienced that at some level. You know, I wouldn't say extreme, but I I definitely, my legs feel wobbly. I have like big, almost like tremor type shakes. Um I'm, you know, a little foggy headed sometimes. Like, I just want to sort of go in like my cocoon for like 20 minutes. Um, And then I'm, and then I come out of it pretty quick after once I start to get that temperature back up, but that's sort of a nasty little place to be. Yeah. It's, it's, if, if you're aware, I think it's just also what we've been talking about is just planning for it. It's, it's very manageable if you're Mm -hmm. aware of it and Mm -hmm. it's a matter of, okay, when you finish your swimming or you're soaking your cold, you're going to take care of yourself. Yep. So, you know, ideally mm-hmm. you're going to get out of the wind, get into a mm-hmm. sheltered spot, put some layers of clothes on, and um, you're going to slowly rewarm and relax mm-hmm. and breathe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it's, you know, a hat gloves, some warm footwear, and mm-hmm. a, a, a warm drink, not a hot drink, because it feels, you'll, you'll probably burn yourself. <laughs> and your body does get quicker over time at being able to recover. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. You know, not quite so dramatic. And I think it's all relative to what someone's experience level is. Mm-hmm. And someone can get out of 75 degree water and be in a cool wind and stand around in their bathing suit and notice they're starting to shiver you know their body's trying to to rewarm and so it's it's not exclusive to um, extreme cold temperature mm-hmm. um, but it, it is something to be aware of certainly mm-hmm. was there any emergencies at the event did like any, any people get jacked up or like anything uh, crazy <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, like, we all had medical checks. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we all had medical, um, full physicals with our own physicians in our own countries, and then we had met a, a check-in with a medic um, before we were approved. We had to be pre-approved for the 1,000. So, you know, these weren't people that had never done this stuff before. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um and um, they had, you know, they had some experience. So I wasn't aware of, of any um, any emergencies. I think it was such a well-run, well-staffed and monitored event. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and for the shorter swims, you're not in there very long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely have to train for that. But the short one, that would be what I would gravitate to. <laughs> yeah, and that's how a lot of people, a lot of people get into it as well. Yeah. But super um, exciting. There's been a lot of spectators. They had a big MC. They had the town band there. It was just really well done and super exciting. Mm-hmm. And they introduced all the swimmers in the finals and their countries. It was just, it was terrific. How many people total raced? Um, just, you just, say? Under five, just under 500. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. decent number of people. Huh. Yeah, yeah that, no, that's awesome. Um, I'm looking this season, um, you know, when I start swimming to d- take your advice, what you said last year was to extend the season, like on both Thank ends. You. So maybe the first, you know, maybe one or two weeks earlier and then try to swim one or two weeks later and yeah. just sort of start to acclimate to that. Um, because I, I feel that I can. It's just you have to get your body used to that. 
Yeah, definitely do. And and what's what I really love about the cold water is, you know, there doesn't have to be a manuscript on it. It's mm-hmm. you know, you do what feels and works for you, whether mm-hmm. it's swimming or whether you want to soak, and it's just a little bit at a time, having someone mm-hmm. with you, and um, it's an incredible way to um, bring clarity. I mean, the best way I can put it is when you get, and you'll know this because you've, you've got in cooler water, when you get out of cooler water, well, it's a little uncomfortable getting in, yep. and it's a little uncomfortable getting out, and then you wrap up. And it's an amazing feeling of exhilaration. The, um, the cold cold water therapy is becoming more and more predominant to um, treat depression. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a natural stress reliever. It um, and, and it releases endorphins. Mm-hmm. It's an anti-inflammatory, and mm-hmm. it boosts immune system. And it just builds a really good community. If you're out there, one or two people, you get super close with people, and so you know, really support each other. It's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing to add to your life. And it 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 could be a minute. You know, it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be. You don't need to be out there for 16 minutes. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I do one minute cold showers every day, and. That is challenging for me, not because of the cold. It's just more or less just being uncomfortable, right? But I feel like I get a 10 or 20% uptick in happiness after that. And it feels like I drink three cups of coffee. And so you get all these free benefits. And it was only 60 seconds of cold. Exactly. (laughs) What What a, like, talking about your time resource, what a bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people start with 10 seconds and then go to 20. Right. But just slowly, you know, do more and more. And yeah, I do it almost, almost every single day. I do 60 seconds and I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's, it's such a good idea. It's, it's really, you know, and look, if, if, if you're, if you're listening and you're like, I don't know about that, well, you could start putting the shower heat down a little bit and just a yep. little, little bit at a time. And, you know, it comes back to what we were talking about essentially dealing with a little bit of discomfort and un- adversity and it really adds adds to your day. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I, have you a few, I have a few random questions yeah. here, Charlotte. So we talked about the two events, um, but I'm curious on a few things. So yes. how many yards on average do you swim in a week? I swim on average uh, a 40, well, yards wise. So 40,000 meters, which is a little bit over. So more so probably 20 to 21 miles a week and um in the summer if i've got a you know if i'll have an event coming up it will probably go up to about 50 to fifty-five thousand. wow okay yeah so my one or two miles a week <laughs> it depends I, what your main focus is and then i will strength train two days a week yeah and um one one you know i'll do always daily do a wee bit of stretching on my own but i am working i'm i'm getting a little bit more yoga in uh as far as actually attending yoga classes which i found i find so much more beneficial than actually stretching on my own mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow so it, it okay i'm looking for um if you have a beginner or moderate level swimmer what are some common areas that they would generally need to improve upon just general areas that you see um, the the biggest one is body position in the water, mm-hmm. and um, so that's essentially 
training your body to be on top of the water. If mm-hmm. the head is high, the hips sink. And what are the sinking, sinking hips sink ships. So we want to try and get yourself on top of the water. Um, number two is uh, many swimmers swim flat. And freestyle is a long axis stroke where we rotate around the long axis. And if you swim flat, you're wide like a barge. And if you're on your side or more on your side, you're fast like a speedboat. So um, those would be um, two. Number number three would be, it's a body stroke. And people often think that swimming is pulling with the arms and kicking mm-hmm. with the legs. Well, actually, it's trunk, it's trunk driven. So when I'm recovering my arm... Big strong muscles in my in my trunk, my upper back help me with that arm recovery, so I can place mm-hmm. it in front of my shoulder, stretch out nice and long. If I try and do a body uh, arm driven stroke, I tend yep. to snake across the midline, and I'm going to wiggle through the water. So those are the three big components. That's so funny that you mentioned the lengthening out, and it, it's more of like the torso rotation as one movement and not separate arm stroke with a kick, right? I, I've been swimming for a little while now, and I finally, this is, the timing on this is funny. Last week, I swam maybe 2,000 yards of drills. That's great, yeah. And it finally clicked what you just said. Like, you, you know, integrating it is one fluid motion being long, timing that that kick at the same time as the pull like i felt dramatically different and i knocked off a minute on my 500 yard swim that is so much that's so impressive so yeah, you know was, what happened to you I, you got more slippery so you got more distance with each strike and i absolutely felt that and so i did it in 826 and it's fast um, yeah, and I wasn't gassed aerobically, but it, but physically, right? Like in terms yeah. of shoulders and stuff, because I'm not too conditioned for this. But the drill that helped me so much, it, I didn't, and I did this before the 500 was I was swimming with um, a closed fist. That's true. I love that drill. Oh my gosh, I saw this on YouTube. And yeah. at first I was like, well, I don't know how hard that could possibly be. And then I was blown away at how difficult that was. And it forced me to kick harder, but more efficiently, uh, pull harder through the lats. Like it forced me to do a bunch of things I probably wasn't doing with an open hand. And um yeah. And then the other drill that helped me learn to, to lengthen out was the hand matching. So I would pull yeah. and I reach and then I have to touch before I can pull again. Right. Yeah. Um, Perfect. And, yeah. And those two, it was like light bulb. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I love both of those. Those are, re- those are really good drills. And the, the fist drill teaches you, because ideally we want to, we want to pull from our fingertip to our elbow. That's one blade. It's not just the hands. It forces you to anchor with that forearm. That's really, really great. Oh, good stuff. And then the third one I did was uh, the zipper drill. Yeah. So I would I would pull, and then I would pretend as I'm doing the recovery where I'm I'm zipping up my back with that elbow high, and then I would reach back out. So that was the third one that day that I did prior to swimming that 500, and it that knocked a minute off. Oh, I love those. Oh, you've done amazing. (laughs) 
Well, we're about an hour in. Um, I want, uh, how can listeners learn more about you um, in, in the swimming hole in Stowe, Vermont, where you work? Um, how can they find out more? Um, uh, well, there's a couple of different ways. We've, um, they can visit the, we'll follow up the swimming hole on social media and um, check out the swimming hole, www.theswimmingholestow.com. And uh, open water wise, I'm, um, they can check out um, Swim Tech Camp. So www.swimtechcamp.com. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll be running some open water swim camps in Lake Remember from Agog in Vermont this summer for people that are looking to become more efficient, get some more speed and gain some confidence in the open water. Mm-hmm. And um, they can um, follow me on Bryn Swim's Instagram. Okay. I will link to all of that, Charlotte, in the show notes. Um, I'm actually interested in that swim camp. I think oh, that could be, be so fun. Yeah, yeah no, that could be pretty right. cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's such a good time, and it's, you know, I think when we get to step away for our, from our um, professional lives, and actually, um, if we can dedicate some time to our swimming, it's quite incredible the um, progress we can make, whether it's two days or six days. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good well, fun. you are an insp- you are an inspiration to me. Um, I'm sure you're going to inspire a lot of people listening to this. Thank you so much, Charlotte, for taking the time to join us and I'm sure we will talk again in the near future. Yeah. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And uh, yeah, it's always great to chat. (laughs) Thanks Charlotte.